Welcome to the Love Yourself Louder podcast. If you're a growth-minded gal who's ready to walk a joyful journey of living wholeheartedly, then you, my dear, are in the right place. My name is Nicole DeFelice, and I'm obsessed with all things personal growth, expanding our self-awareness, and getting intentional about practicing self-love. This podcast is where you will be encouraged and challenged to unleash courageous confidence and cultivate more meaningful connections in your life. It's time to start loving yourself louder. Joining me today is my favorite person in the whole world, my husband, Sam. Hello. (laughs) Hello, friends on the interwebs. Um, we are celebrating 11 years of shenanigans together in just a few weeks, actually. Special reminder, our anniversary is coming up. Um, <laughs> we're both notorious for forgetting it. I think actually last time we, <laughs> we both remembered, like, the afternoon after. <laughs> anyway, I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. It seems only fitting for my husband to be my very first guest on the podcast because when you are on a journey of self-discovery and healing, you can 10x the results by inviting your partner on the path with you. I'm so grateful um, to be able to share my life with such a growth-minded fella, especially this year, but I know that that hasn't always been an easy path for you. Nope. So I'm hoping I can invite you to start out um, just by sharing with everybody a little bit about yourself and your background. So my background, let's see, I enlisted in the army in like 1997. Mm. Um, Just trying to figure out who I was. Like my my dad is a high watermark on you know what a man is and where you, what, where your place is in the world and I don't know I just kind of had a feeling that <clears throat> I think you used the term many times like a leaf blowing in the breeze and I just really wanted to figure out who I was as a person so for me I thought you know joining the army would be a good way to kind of figure that whole thing out. Um, I think I think I've told you, you know, like I used to read stories, Robert Frost and Hemingway, and they used to always talk about these stories about going out into the world and kind of figuring out who you are as a person. So I was like, that sounds like a good idea. Went into basic training, found it so interesting that, you know, so many people that I met from such different walks of life, and like they were struggling in basic and maybe it was the first time they had achieved or experienced rather like a level of adversity in their life and i don't know like i just thought it was fun it was a it was great stuff because like being a kid i always wanted to be a soldier i want to be a soldier i want to be in law enforcement so i'm like that's so funny that you share that because I was literally just telling Mia the other day, this was, you know, new age basic training. When mm-hmm. I went to basic training years and years later, uh, way, way after you, because you're a fossil, um, <laughs> that at, at 
basic training graduation, they actually gave us a DVD with like all the videos that they took of us throughout, you know, those 22 weeks together. And me, I was telling Mia that every time you saw me like running across the screen in the DVD, mm-hmm. I was like smiling and having a blast. And I was telling her, I think that it was because I was a little bit older. Like I was in my early 20s when I when I went through basic training and a huge, lot of the kids huge difference. much, much younger than me. Yeah. And so my perception of the situation was totally different. So I totally hear what you're saying. Like depending on your level of emotional maturity when you experience pressure, like that ultimately determines your response to it. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I could remember 4 a.m. I, I was down at... And for reference, my graduation, I did not get a CD. I got a VHS tape. So <laughs> look that one up, kids. Um, I remember doing, you know, physical training. We call it PT out in the uh, out in the, the drill yards. And we were getting smoked by our drill sergeants. And these guys are having such a hard time. And I'm like, guys, you're focusing way too much on graduation. Worry about getting the breakfast. Mm. It's 4 a.m. We're going to be eating child, you know. 5 36 o'clock you know we're gonna hit those those times let that be your goal mm. you know and it's and once you're able to do that like i didn't know anything about resilience i didn't know mm. and it's funny because one of the one of the veteran podcasts i listen to he he says the same thing phrases it a little differently he says uh you know keep your if you're feeling overwhelmed keep your world small I was like, oh, man, I've been doing that since I was craving those pancakes of basic training. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That is a thing, though, right? It's like we're in such a a society now that, like, accidentally puts a lot of value on multitasking. And I'm actually really about one tasking. Like, focus on one thing. Get to that thing. Do it really well. Because when you're dividing your attention you know, all over the place, like you diminish your impact. But anyway, we're, we're going down a crazy wormhole. <laughs> so we always do this. All right, let's bring it back. So you shared a little bit about your background in the military and how young Sam mm-hmm. set upon the path of coming to serve his country. Um, but there was a time in addition to that, that you were set upon a path to serving your community as well. So can you touch on that too, just so we can kind of get a full picture of who this strapping lad is before me? Uh, <laughs> um, as I said, my, my parents are very ingrained in, in community work and, you know, I was a rambunctious young man, so I found myself getting into some trouble. And then, uh, so I found this community organization. Um, they were called police explorers. I think now they're referred to as police cadets. Um, but it was an organization of, you know, middle, high school aged youths, um, you know, whether they want to go into law enforcement or the military really didn't matter. It was a structured environment where they stay into the community. They, you know, learn community events. They learn about responsibility. They learn about how to prepare for life after high school. You know, I mean, heck, I've even taken some kids and helped them learn how to drive and balance a checkbook. Uh, great program that helped me kind of develop as a young man and you know i'd like to think that i stopped making those knucklehead decisions uh, you know but that ended up leading to the town where i grew up and i ended up becoming a police officer there so 
the work never ended. It keeps going. Kept going, rather. Mm. And I've said this to you so many times in the past, and I'll highlight it again, because I, I think it is something that is very unique to your journey, is that you started from a very young age, you know, being a teenager, 16, 17 years old, having a very clear vision of what your life purpose was. Second grade. And the se- even second grade. Second yeah. grade. Yeah. And the steps that you needed to take. And so even from being a young man, you know, joining police explorers with the intent of becoming a law enforcement officer one day, even joining the military, you know, as military police, that was another step on the path of like, I want to serve my community. You know, I'm going to serve my country. I'm going to gain this experience in law enforcement. And so you have been really diligent from a very young age of, like, getting to that greater picture. And I think that that is, um, I don't know, just, like, such an incredible experience because I'll just speak from, like, my personal experience. I felt lost for a really long time in my life. Like, I was kind of putting a toe in over here and a toe in over there you know, kind of trying to decide, like, what is my purpose? And so um, I just think you bring, like, a really valued perspective to, like, being someone who knew from the very get-go where they were going, arriving at that destination, you know, um, and how, you know, there are a lot of people who are perhaps midlife or later in life, that are just now, you know, starting the journey of figuring out, like, what is my life purpose? Where am I going? And just knowing that, like, I don't know, it's a pace, not a race. And I don't think anyone can truly, like, unlock what their calling is um, Mm. until they've gone through some of their own life experiences and been stretched and, you know, tested their mettle and, and that sort of thing. And so even for you, you know, me saying like, oh, you knew your life purpose from second grade. Like, I know that picture has changed for you over time. And so I wonder if perhaps like some of the struggle that you experienced, you know, through the law enforcement and, and through military kind of reshaped what you now believe is your life purpose or if you're at a place now where you're like, I'm ready to redefine all of that. I I knew where I wanted to be. like, And maybe that was the downfall of knowing in second grade that I wanted to be a cop and a soldier. And being able to do that simultaneously, you know, through the guard. You know. And the problem was, is the concept of Officer Sam and, you know, Sergeant Sam, those roles I understood... Yeah. The hard part is I didn't really know who Sam was. Yes. Um, so I just kind of kept throwing my life out there. You know, I was volunteer for um, overseas deployments in which I learned a ton about who I am. Some of the way the, the darkness of humanity and the, the beauty of humanity can really come through. You know, like, I mean, I cherish these things that I've endured and learned and um had the people i've helped the flip side you know when i start hitting my mid-30s you kind of like you put on that armor i think you'd use that term earlier and mm. you got you we're so like we're conditioned through our training we're conditioned through you know um our schooling and and the the cultures that we have to create within those communities to to operate effectively that you don't realize that that experience 
that is bringing on, um, what would you say, trauma, you know? Yeah. So you're you're operating in, you know, fifth gear, and you don't even know that there's some some scars. There's, like, it, it took me a while to kind of figure out that those things were there. I think people do, naturally and accidentally, perhaps, you know, kind of walk around armored up mm-hmm. for for a good portion of their life that they are unknowingly, you know, wearing masks and keeping people at a distance. And I think for everyone, there should come a time when you, you know, are intentional about unarmoring yourself and having the courage to be vulnerable. And so I'm wondering, um, what was the catalyst or, or like the real moment of realization that unlocked your understanding for the importance of things like self-care and doing really intentional healing. When you start to see, for me, for when you start to see the negative impacts on home, the negative impacts on you and our relationship, things feel strained with the kids. And then, you know, um, start having issues at work that, you know, in my case, resulted in, you know, getting in some trouble. It's because there's that underlying stress that I'm not dealing with. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I don't know, for me, I guess it just slapped me in the face. Had some uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Um, we call that brave work. Ah. Doing the brave work. <laughs> I think that, though... I truly believe that that brave work and those really vulnerable, Mm. raw conversations are the elements that, you know, set apart relationships that will really go the distance and stand the test of time because it really does ask you to just kind of share every part of yourself with that person and to trust and to trust that they will honor your full truth and love you through it and see you through it um and so i'm so proud of you (laughs) i mean and from from the man's the male perspective and i'm sure like a bunch of your followers are all lovely ladies um but we look at things differently process things differently Mm. I cannot take off that armor if I'm not in a safe environment. I will never feel safe if I don't have trust. Yeah. And if I could toot your horn, you show trust, not just in your words, not just in your actions, but you're probably the most loyal person I've ever met in my life. Oh, I will put that on and I will walk it out. Thank you, sir. Um, Just calling a spade a spade. But if I didn't have that, like, that that armor don't come off, you know, because I'm not in an environment that facilitates that. Yeah. You know, you, you're asking a man to be vulnerable, which is, it's a big deal. Yeah. Because our job is, we're, we're protectors, you know, like, mm-hmm. my flock looks different, whether I'm, you know, trying to protect people in other countries, in this country, in this community. Like, in this house. In this house. <laughs> absolutely. We've got quite a flock here. You know, I'm trying to protect my girls. Um, that, like, that's just... So, how important would you say 
that, you know, like practicing self-love and finding healthy coping strategies is for you today compared to, say, maybe like 10 years ago? Well, I can tell you one thing. 20, 20 something years ago when I was in the police academy, I remember my one of my favorite instructors um, said he had one piece of advice and it never made sense to me. And that is probably the basis of <laughs> what I'm about to say. He said, find yourself a hobby. Mm. He goes, not something associated with your profession. Not, you know, I'm not talking about competitive target shooting. I'm not talking about reloading your own ammo. Do something different. And I never took proper heed to that. Um, but I started to, you know, in my, what was that, mid to late 30s, I started to try it out. And then, uh, I remember listening to a Jocko podcast when, you know, he's talking about, you know, in those hobbies, challenge yourself, do something outside of your comfort zone. Because if you never get out of your comfort zone, you never will grow. Oh my gosh. That reminds me so very much of um, a, t- a team leader that I once had. I hope she's listening to this. Nancy, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. <laughs> um, who always used to say to me, you know, like, if you are comfortable get uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like all of your growth happens outside of your comfort zone so if you're spending all your time being you know super cozy in the known you are preventing yourself from being stretched in new and exciting ways Mm -hmm. and i think about that all the time that she said that to me i think about it all the time and so every time i feel the stretch and I feel uncomfortable, I'm like, good. (laughs) Activate growth cycle, you know? Um, So let's talk about hobbies. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about some of your hobbies. I'll talk about some of mine. We can share some of our shared hobbies over the years. So how about the first hobby? What do you think the first hobby was? Are you thinking about maple syrup or sauerkraut? What are you thinking about? Jelly? (laughs) We've had so many. Probably some of the best growth that me and you had. Oh, backpacking. Backpacking. Oh, for sure. For Um, sure. And it was nice because that was a transition. We had recently gotten home from Afghanistan. And it was a nice transition because we got to use so many military kind of tricks trades fundamentals and yet it still it still opened me and us in totally new ways even though it was in some ways a very similar experience right you're like land navigation you know make your way through this terrain carrying this giant rock for 12 miles and you know like whatever every day for hundreds and whatever (laughs) even though fundamentally a lot of it was the same Mentally, for me, it was like an awakening. It was 
incredible, an incredible experience. So for those who don't know, Grand Teton National Park out in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Highly recommend. Probably one of the most beautiful places on this planet. Oh my gosh, stunning. So the challenge was to uh, Teton Crest Trail and backpack out there up in the mountains, make it happen, make it fun, accomplish the task of the mission. I think it was what, Six days? It was six days. So... Six days and 60 miles. It was... Actually, it ended up being seven days. So it was six days. We designed it in case we got something happened. So we always... Uh, we observed the seventh day in case things went wrong. <laughs> Ideally, it was a day of rest in the spa, but it didn't turn out that way. Because <laughs> one thing I learned in the military is everything will go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We go up, and I guess uh, I, I laid out an entire map with sticker, like military-grade stickers, then, you know, entry points and watering points and overnight <laughs> camping, lo- like, designations and oh, um, distance. Like, we were... I briefed this plan to him like I briefed an op order in the military. <laughs> he did not care. He, he was, just he laughed like, at me. Whatever, He's like, most people don't even show up with a map. He's like, whatever. He's like, he's like, have you, are, you know, are you familiar with bears? So then I start teaching him the class because I reviewed the class on YouTube and I started teaching him how to respond to bears. He laughs and he just like signs off on our permits. He's like, don't even tell me anymore. Get out of here. Bears are fine. Um, but no, it was fun because it, it really reinforced like, you know, Nicole had certain roles. I had certain roles. You know what it was, honestly? I think, like, you got to get down into, like, like put the logistical aspect mm-hmm. of the experience on the shelf. Because that's not, you know. there's it, It's fun for me, though. It's fun for me. There's no gold there. I love oh. you. But no one cares about your maps. That's, <laughs> it made me feel. For, for me, the, like, visceral part of the experience was just being on the trail with my partner in the middle of nowhere. With zero human beings. With nobody around and just the trail in front of you and the sky above you and animals all around you. And we had hours and hours and hours every day of putting one foot in front of the other. And basically we spent that whole trip just verbally processing the deployment that we had both shared in oh, Afghanistan. Yeah, that's a, I forgot about that. And so I remember just our whole first day was just endless talking, you know, and like me sharing for a long time and you sharing and us kind of just passing the conversation back and forth. And then even just like really long stretches of beautiful and comfortable silence that afforded Mm -hmm. a ton of self-reflection that probably... There wouldn't have been a space for in regular, like like the chaotic routine of regular daily life as parents with kids and jobs, you know, that we could just be together and process and have so much space in our minds and our hearts for whatever needed to come in or go out. And do you remember that that next morning, like after our first night, we hiked like 10 or 12 miles and remember that park ranger oh yeah oh my god that that dude he was the bee's knees literally like his knees were probably like 90 years old like this 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 park ranger he had to been in his 80s yeah Yeah. 
we were hiking up Death Canyon, and they called us, they called it that because it was literally just, like, the steepest grade upward the entire time, and um, we were hiking in that day, and it was, like, 90 degrees, just, like, oppressive, and we're sweating and dying, and we think we're gonna, like, power our way through the day because we've, like, trained for this, but it turns out that, like, again, it's a pace, not a race, and this wonderful senior (laughs) park ranger taught us all about that as we kind of, like, frogged back and forth over each other on the trail, and I remember watching that park ranger, you know, kind of, like, zigzagging up that last little saddle there to get to the top where we were going to be camping, and just that one stretch was, like, 800 feet of elevation gain, and it was, like, a quarter mile of a trail. It wasn't even that far, but it was just that, like, it, it like, switchbacked so many times. Like, I remember just standing at the bottom, like, watching him just so purposefully, like, putting one foot in front of the other, walking up this thing, and I remember just watching this guy and being like, you know, he's teaching me something, and I could see his footfalls today. Like, he's teaching me something about, like, slow is smooth and smooth is fast, and, and just, like, you don't have to sprint to get there. We we tried approaching it like an army ruck march. It was not like that. It was that was not it. That was not it. So anyway, we finally did get to the top of the mountain that night and it was dark and the wind is howling. Mm-hmm. We couldn't even see where we were. We found a place to throw down our gear, put up our tent, and the next morning. Do you remember the next morning? I remember there being sand everywhere, and we ate breakfast with our feet dangling off the edge of, yeah, um, what do you call it, Death Canyon. Yeah, I remember eating breakfast <clears throat> with with my feet hanging over the side yeah. of that canyon, and just like looking at the stretch of how far we had come, and just being amazed, you know, I just being amazed at like how much different I felt in my spirit with only having, like, one day passed, but it felt like somehow I had, like, gained years back on my heart or something, you know? And being able to share that with you was incredible. Incredible. I remember the feeling for me that that was, like, we leveled up in our relationship. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that that was the the foundation for future things to come. But that was really, I think that, because we were still living in our old house, um, I don't think we really started dabbling into the farming life quite yet. And that really kind of got the ball rolling of trying a new hobby that was outside our comfort zone. It was something that we've never done before. Mm. You know, because then we started making sauerkraut and we started making maple syrup. And, you know, yeah. I got it more involved in hunting and fishing. There was one other <clears throat> part of that trip that always really stands out to me, too. And I know we talk about it a lot. I think because it, I think because this trip happened at an early time in our relationship and we were both, we were both getting to know ourselves on the other side of that deployment, right? Like, who are we now? Who am I becoming? Who am I in this relationship? Who are we in partnership with one another? Where are we going on our shared journey? So I always remember the beginning part of that trip really it just like i don't know solidifying for me like this is my person yes and there is nothing that i want to do without this person and so i love and treasure that 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 time in that moment and there's another part of that trip that i (laughs) 
You're shaking your paintbrush divide. (laughs) That's it. There's the second part of that trip that I remember really. It's just it stands out so strongly to me because it was almost like it was almost like breaking off an old part of me, like to 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 grab onto a new trust in you and a belief and understanding in us. And so this portion of the trip, this was like days later. So again, we come in, it's 90 degrees. We're in t-shirts and shorts. Fast forward three days later, we're like way in the back country. We're like 40 miles in or something. There are, you're days away from being around people. The temperature drops like crazy. We're up at almost 11,000 feet of elevation. It starts snowing, okay? It's like... (laughs) We ended up, we were in Cascade Canyon and this pretty nasty um, electrical storm or, you know, thunder and lightning rolled through and it was so heavy that, like, you're not supposed to, basically some of these summits are above tree line and you're not, you know, you you don't want to be... Dilly-dallying. Right. (laughs) You know, and then the next one we had, Paintbrush Divide, is a series of multiple, you know, um, above tree line kind of... I don't, I don't like using the word summits, but you get, you have to traverse through it. Um, so we ended up holding holding over a night in Cascade Canyon, i.e. that extra day we planned for. So now we're like, all right, we use our extra day's worth of food. We got to push. Mm. So the rain's gone. Now it's snow. <laughs> and we go from, you know, a couple inches of snow as we're a couple, I think we're two, three hundred feet from the first summit. And we are above waist deep in snow mm, we're, yeah we're using our trek our trekking pole we're using it in the snow because we can't see where the trail is anymore and the trail is on the side of a mountain so we're using our, our trekking poles to try and be like all right yep here's ground here's ground yep nope no ground and i look up and nicole's <laughs> standing where there's no ground <laughs> she's like you know an arm's length ahead of me and i can barely see her so it's like hey I'm usually the the risk taker, and she's usually the you know sensible one. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we need to turn back because we are nineteen. Oh, how no, we were that was twelve miles because we're trying to limit ourselves eight to ten miles a clip a night, or I'm sorry, a, a, a trek. Yeah, a day. Yeah, we're pushing twelve. We're still have a ways to go to our what's supposed to be our campsite and i'm like we need to push we need to turn back and nicole's like no <laughs> no <laughs> I'm, I'm going to achieve my goals <laughs> that's that's i was actually a recording of her voice um but you know hey it's i was like in the lead i was in the front and you were behind me <clears throat> and you were saying like we need to turn around. I can't see the trail. This isn't safe. And I was like, no. No one's coming to get us. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, if we fall down this mountain, that's it. We're dying. Like, it's all over. <laughs> no one's going to find us for days, years, maybe. And so you were saying to me, like, we need to turn around. We need to go back. And I was like, no, we are so close. Like, I am not going to just give up. Like, I'm not going to fail at this. Like, we are, like, 100, 200 feet from the summit. I can't see it, but I know it's right here. And, like, I refused 
to turn around. It was like a mental block for me. And you had even suggested a couple of times, like, we should tie off because, like, visibility was starting to get low from the snow. We almost couldn't see each other. You were like, we should tie off. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you're blowing it out of proportion. You were not blowing it out of proportion. It was very unsafe. Yeah, it was very unsafe. But again, like I was saying before, this, it was a, it was a really powerful moment for me in my past and who I was in my previous relationships to always kind of be um the one like forging forward and like to that that I really valued my independence and I felt that there was a sense of weakness perhaps attached to needing someone or having someone support me and so every time you know you were saying like we need to turn around I'd be like what is he crazy like I can do this it almost made me feel like you didn't believe that I could, even though that was not no. that was not the case at all. But that ultimately, of course, we did turn around and go back because that we would have died. Like the crazy thing about that that particular storm is that it moved through that whole mountain range and there was a whole group of other hikers. I think it was about a dozen other hikers that actually did lose their life in that storm. I believe that was in and we heard about it um, a couple days later at the airport. Yeah, I believe that something had happened out in Idaho with a group that was yeah. canyoning. Yeah, same storm had passed through, and 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 yeah, that that group of men unfortunately had had lost their lives, and so that could have been us. That could have been us because I was so stuck on oh I don't I don't need you like I'm gonna do this myself and like how dare you say I can't do this like that was such like old belief patterns of like who I used to be before us and then it was just this really incredible breaking off in me that like I could trust you I could trust your decision making I could trust that you had our shared best interests at heart and that like you also deeply valued this experience but more so you deeply valued me and my safety and that was more important to you than getting to the top of that mountain (laughs) and the reason like that's the first thing i really want to comes to mind is like you know what had the most profound effect on me well that wouldn't have been able to happen if we didn't have that yeah foundation so yeah this was a whole backpacking wormhole about hobbies maybe we should pick you know maybe one or two more relatable hobbies that are like what normal people do well so i don't know if it's come up you know me and nicole have a small farm a little homestead we have some animals um it's been a beautiful healing experience for for us to kind of pick various activities you know whether it's raising animals or whether it's making maple syrup or um you know cultivating honey from our beehives Uh, you know working on the land has been it's super um enjoyable to me Mm -hmm. but the one thing i don't know it sticks out in my mind because it's the one hobby i have and i need to get back to it what is it you're piquing my interest. Uh, I had a feeling. I started taking horseback riding lessons. Oh, okay. okay. Shout out to Jen. Yes. I, I remember every single lesson I would take. And I loved it. I love saddling. I love the groundwork. I love 
you cannot like not be present. Is that double negative? Am I saying that right? Yeah, that is a double negative. You have to. You be have to free. be present. You have to be. So it was like, like every time, like I start to kind of horses, like you're with me, pal. Yeah, um, that's how I feel about I all the animals it. on the homestead. Like they, they really do like ask that of you. You know, like be here with me, be in your body. Yes. <clears throat> like. But, like, the horse is something different. And I'm not a horse person. I didn't grow up in a horse. You know, you have some experience with it. I really don't. So it's, again, it's kind of intimidating because that is outside my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, And it's one thing to go on a trail ride where the horse is on autopilot. It knows what to do. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm. I'm not talking about going to a petting zoo. I mean, like, to... From the ground up, from the saddle up, from, you know, the lunging and like these activities where if you're kind of like, I'm on autopilot today, the horse is going to turn, look at you and be like, we're working. Yeah. Or we're not working. (laughs) And there's so many times where you're just like, you're somewhere else. You're faking the funk. You're, you know, you just want to go through the motions, which is, you know, mm. <clears throat> if you're not a hundred percent, that's what happens. Yeah. If you're feeling the funk, if you're, you know, if you're a little gray, if you're, if you're depressed, like that's, you know, you're like, just put me in over cruise control and let me, let me, let me ride. And I, I love. I've never seen an animal make more grown men feel uncomfortable because it challenges them out of their space. I think it's because they make you feel seen. You know? Yes. Oh, that's a beautiful point. <laughs> yeah. Like, they do not see any mask that you think that you're wearing. Yeah. They see you. And you're like, I'm naked. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that's why it was like... You know, I went to that the game warden conference and, and I got to sit down and that was one of the classes. And I saw, you know, man, game wardens are game wardens, you know, and they, they get up and like there was two guys that are instructors. You can tell they these are their horses. They're so comfortable with them, you know, and <clears throat> and then some they were doing a demonstration and we had to interact with the horses. And then I saw, you know some grown ass men that were just kind of like clearly pulled out. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Hey, I'm here. You know, I'm just the same talking to horse voice, you know, Hey, we're here. I start talking. We start doing our groundwork. We start lunging. And I was like, man, I remember your uh, horse voice being much more sweet talky. I'm like, Oh, is that how you talk to the horse? Yeah. Interesting. Hey, now. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I- I've never been, I feel like I've never been kind of just, called out Mm. yeah you know so good um all right so backpacking and horses mm -hmm. two hobbies that you have found um to be really awesome impactful impactful coping strategies for you that's sweet i would say i don't know i think some of mine are like much more rooted in daily living just because like I need I need to know that like my self-care and my coping strategies are very easily accessible 
so that if something unexpectedly comes up in my day-to-day, like, I have something readily available that I can go to. And so, and um, a friend of mine, we were very recently talking about, like, oh, self-care, and and what does that look like for you? So, for Sam, self-care looks like cultivating some really awesome hobbies, um, which I love and so agree with. Um, But I also want to be mindful of, like, how we frame up self-care because um, self-care can be five minutes anywhere in your daily life. And so, like I was saying, one of my friends was recently talking to me about her um, daily self-care routine and what she considers her daily self-care is just taking five to ten minutes before she goes to bed each night and doing, like, a really diligent, like, skincare routine. And Mm. for her... That is, like, really grounding and feels, like, a way that she can, like, give herself physical touch and, like, fulfill her needs. Um, And I loved that share because, to me, like, I think there's this unrealistic expectation about self-care that, like, self-care is, I'm going to book a whole day at the spa and I need a facial and a massage and, like, my nails did or, like, that, I don't, I think a lot of times, like, people perceive self-care sort of as, like, some grand gesture or some event. And so I want to make sure, um, I want to make sure that we also share really awesome strategies that you can implement, like, in your daily life. And so, like, you know for me, Sam, like, one of my self-care things is, like, I take the longest baths. Like, I am, I am scorching my flesh off of my body in this bath. And that just for me is, like, I just melt into the water and into myself. It's a wonderful time for reflection. I get some of my, like, greatest downloads and understandings just, like, of my 30 minutes in the bath alone. And that, to me, is really effective self-care. I love to read, too. Like, if I'm feeling really stretched, you know, like, a day with the kids, um, you know, or anything, like, going on, like, externally... I'll be like, you know what? I need to kind of unplug from this reality for a little while. And I personally really love reading, like, uh, fantasy novels. Uh, I dabble back and forth between excessively reading personal development novels and also really loving just, like, trashy... <laughs> Schmutty. Schmutty fantasy novels. <clears throat> and that, to me, is a, is is another form of self-care where I'm like, you know what? I need to unplug from where I'm feeling really stretched right now and plug into another world where I feel like anything is possible, you know, and just spend a little time in there. And then when I come back, I'm like, okay, I'm good, you know? And so self-care looks different for everybody. And I think even between men and women, self-care needs can look very, very different. Yes. Um, We used to joke before, you know, when if I had a rough day at work and come back and Tractor therapy. I'm digging a hole and filling the hole back up. Or oh my you know, gosh. it. I, I've kind of gotten a little bit away from that. I still love my tractor. Don't get me wrong, and I love doing projects on my tractor. Um, but one thing that I've kind of started recently is like because I can't do the tractor as all the time living in New England or the backpacking or oh, yeah, the horses, yeah. right? Like, like there are, there are big grand gestures of self-care that are awesome. And there's also, um, I love cooking. Yeah. 
Um, oh, I was hoping you were going to talk about that. I love so I could just brag you know, about like it. On Sunday, I, I I come up with a menu. Um, the cuisines change, you know. Sometimes, like we just we're just wrapping up uh, an Italian week, and uh, I think tonight was a little Asian inspired. Um, I love cooking, you know, North African Rockin foods, just stuff that's different. I like I love just. You know, coming up, and I put throw my AirPods in when I come home from work, and I need to process my day. I need a little bit of alone time. Maybe I'll throw in a podcast. Maybe I'll listen to some music. Maybe I won't listen to anything and enjoy some just you know my own thoughts. But I just I really enjoy cooking. Um, You've really taken over like ninety percent of dinner. We like weekly dinners for the family cooking. Yeah. And there was a time when like It wasn't my thing. Macaroni and, and hot, hot dogs, dogs. <laughs> was like your go to. I remember that. I remember the kids being like, It's a dad dinner. Yep. And now you're like, You can't even make mac and cheese without making it fancy and some I'm like, Can't you just make something regular? <laughs> uh, what did we just do? Smoked gouda mac and cheese with uh it's a short rib with a red wine reduction on those. That, that, was, that was the most tasty. over the top macaroni and cheese. Spent six hours making it. <laughs> I, just, I can't imagine there are that many wives out there that are like, please make dinner less complicated. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I was getting my hair cut the other day and I was talking about how, like, um, in Moroccan cuisine, there's a lot of cooking with preserved lemons. And, and when I make my, what is it, chicken. Chicken, chicken tagine. Um, I love using, you know, homemade preserved lemons. So I'm talking to my barber about this and we're going on and I'm explaining the process and how excited I was because I was in the middle of curing all my lemons and I was, and what I didn't realize is the guy in the barber chair next to me is an actual professional chef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's laughing. He's like, I wish you had that level of passion. My, you know, my cooks had that level of passion. I'm like, <laughs> it's just, it's fun. It's different. Um, yeah. And, Another fun fact is because I've been to so many countries and been all around the world, I can't find some of the foods I've tried in restaurants. Mm. So thank you, internet, you know, and thank you, memories. <laughs> and so that's why I love, you know, cooking foods from, you know, the Middle East and, you know, North Africa and Europe and the Balkans. It makes it, I don't know, kind of like brings it back around to me. So yeah, it's been fun. I love that. I love that. And I'm so glad that we just, like, took this time to do a little bit of reflection so people could get to know you, you know? Like, who, who's this awesome guy? <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> who's, who's this awesome guy who served his country, you know, continues to serve his community, experienced some strife and struggle, you know, chose to lean in, got really intentional about dealing with his own healing, you know, um, choosing that, like, personal development, um, leaning into support, just so that you could show up and be the most awesome and present dad, and just the most supportive and growth-minded partner, um, and I just, I, I know that I'm super lucky, I know that I'm super lucky to have, um, someone walking alongside me who is 
just so down to keep leveling up, you know, Mm. to keep upgrading, to keep changing and evolving together, because I think that has been so instrumental to, to us, like finding a deeper connection in our marriage is just that we are both always changing and we're both always choosing these new versions of ourselves in each other over and over again. And that to me is just like, that's it. You know, that's what it's about. So anywho, got to talk about some self-care. I loved hearing kind of like the dude's perspective of (laughs) self-care. Love talking about, you know, maybe maybe some bigger some bigger ways we can implement self-care in our lives. And then also just like some lower hanging fruit ways to implement self-care in our daily routine. Um, And so we spent a little bit of time here together. So I'm going to start wrapping it on up. Each episode, I'll share an actionable way to implement what we're learning together so you can start weaving an intentional practice into the fabric of your beautiful life. This episode's Love Yourself Louder Challenge is all about hobbies. Make a list of three hobbies that you've been interested in spending more time doing and choose just one to go deeper on this week, whether that's reading a book or reading a blog, or rolling up your sleeves and giving it a whirl, doing it scared. You know I love that. Um, We cannot wait to hear um, what hobbies you guys are digging into. So if you've got burning questions or self-love celebrations that might need a spotlight, I want to hear from you. Drop your gems in the Love Yourself Louder treasure chest, and who knows? Your thoughts might just become the star of my very next episode. Share the love, spread the wisdom, and let's make each episode a collective celebration. Submit your questions and share the journey at loveyourselfloud.com com backslash questions. I cannot wait to dive into your brilliance. Thanks for tuning in to the Love Yourself Louder podcast on the playful path to self-love. Until next time. Bye.